family identity and who we are as a family, um, who we are as, as a house, a church, a house of prayer. I don't know. I don't know what you want to call us. Just call us. Um, but I want to take you on a journey um, where I hope that, um, first of all, you'll find God. Second of all, you'll see yourself in that journey. And third, you will really get a revelation of, of the life that Jesus died for us to live. And then afterwards, I'm going to invite our um, worship leaders to come up. And they're going to talk a little bit about their uh, prayer sets. Because, you know, we're a house of prayer. And years ago, the Lord called us to be a house of prayer. Um, <clears throat> he, he encountered me audibly. And he said, I want you to rebuild my temple. And when I say audibly, I mean internal, audible voice of the Lord that came. I'm not loud enough. Can you turn me up a little bit? Can y'all hear me? I mean, I realize I kind of have that kind of booming voice. Everybody in my family, I promise you, we are so loud that the people in the next county can hear us. And, and I love John. That doesn't, he was probably, the reason he married me, I think he was the only guy that really didn't bother because everybody else was like, Ashley has the same thing. It's just the loud family. Anyway, so um, so I wanted to share with you my journey because I've learned a lot about um, going home. And I, I, I wanted to share with you the things that, some of the things that I've learned because I, I really don't want you to have to go through 15 years to find that place. I really believe that God is coming, and he's coming for a bride. That's what the word says. He's coming for a bride. And, and he actually gave um, the person that he's returning for the most intimate name that you can name anyone. How many of you have ever been around a bride? Okay? They are the most annoying violently obsessive women on the earth because all they think about is that day. Their whole lives are designed around that day. The minute they get engaged, we've given away several daughters. That engagement comes and it can be like, well, we can just go ahead and pull the day timer out and cross out everything in our lives until this girl gets married. And she will yell at you if you're not thinking about her stuff. But everything in her life revolves around that day. And everything that she does from the flower to the song to the dress is about that day and that man. Because everything that she chooses, it represents her love for her husband. Everything that she does is motivated by that day. And so when he said, you're coming back for a bride, we should really be more like Bridezilla. My daughter actually does a lot of uh, weddings, and she said, oh, <laughs> those brides are awesome. <laughs> so in my own journey, um, when the Lord came to get me, and he said, I want you to rebuild my temple, and then a little further along my journey, um, the Lord sent several prophets and said, I want you to build a house of prayer. And um, <clears throat> to me, that sounded a little odd because when I first got saved, I wasn't saved when the Lord broke in on me and I heard his voice, which is a very rare thing. But anyway, so, so 
the first thing I thought was, well, I guess I should go to church, you know, because that's kind of what you do. And so I started going to church, and um, they started teaching me the word. It's really good. Praise the Lord. And um, and as I was growing, and, and they began to disciple me, they began to tell me all the the do's and the don'ts. Now that I'm a Christian, here's the things that you can do. Here's the thing you can't do. They began to teach me about having a biblical worldview and seeing everything through the word of God and using the the word as, as a measuring tool. All of this good stuff, all of this necessary. But my heart was like, just there's something more, you know. I just, I'm not satisfied. I don't feel, and the word said that we will be satisfied. And so there was something that my heart was longing for that I wasn't getting. So I began to go to all of these conferences. And I I wanted all of these big leaders to pray for me so that I could have an anointing and they could give me their anointing. In other words, AKA, give me their prayer life, right? And so I, I, I was seeking and searching, but I still wasn't finding what I was looking for. And it's not that I wasn't prophesying and functioning in the gifts of the spirit, but um, I still wasn't there. And the thing is, is that I, I was so, my heart was, because I got saved late in life. And don't you know, when you get saved late in life, the wheels on your bus don't go round and round because they're all flat because you we're a complete idiot for the first, you know, 30 years of your life. And you're like, oh, I got to fix all that now. And so, you know, nothing worked. And, um, and so I was like, God, you know, I don't know how to do this. And so he said, start a house of prayer. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'm a Martha. And, and I like doing all the stuff, you know, I like doing all the ministry and I love prophesying. I want to go pray for people and I want to, you know, busy, 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 busy. I want to go from one group to another. I think we had at the time we had two life groups. We were so crazy busy and uh, the Lord kept saying, I want you to uh, build a house of prayer. And so all of these prophets kept coming to us saying, build a house of prayer. And I was like, prayer. Because I don't know about y'all, but I would pray and I have my list and I would go into prayer and that list, oh, I don't know, I got through the list like in five minutes and then I was like, you know, silver dollar eyeballs going, what am I going to do for the rest of this time? I mean, this is horrible. You want me to start a house that this is what we do? Nobody's going to come. But if we did fun stuff, everybody would want to be a part of that. I was just thinking, this is insanity, truly. Kind of like those brides, insanity. And so uh, I was like, okay, well, obviously this isn't working because I don't know how to pray. I can't imagine that the God of the universe would design something that was so horribly boring for us to do as, as a part of our discipline, right? And so I saw, I saw prayer as discipline. And you had to do it because they all told you to do it. And then he told me I have to start a house of prayer. And I'm like, well, okay, i got to get this down, you know. And um, so the Lord, uh, what he did is um, he really gave me the grace to even ask the question, Lord, will you teach me to pray? He gave me the wisdom to ask the question. Lord, will you teach me to pray? And he gave us a dream. And in the dream, 
he said this. He, we, 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 the, the house of prayer was a school. And above the doorway was a plaque that said, if you teach them to pray, you don't have to tell them how to live. Come on now. Don't you know God's got the best? So what I wanted is truly in our hearts, we think we want activity. But what we really want is love. And if we'll slow down long enough, we'll actually find it. So what does this look like? We're a family of prayer. And the centerpiece of this house is our daily, in our daily and corporate lives, is a culture of prayer. Prayer awakens our desires for our bridegroom, Jesus. John the Baptist said this, when all of his disciples came to him and said, hey, all of your disciples are now going over there to Jesus. What's up with that? And John the Baptist said, They're not mine, and I told you from the beginning that they're not mine. But they belong to the bridegroom. And he said, I have heard the voice of the bridegroom, therefore my joy is full. You want to talk about the fullness of God. Your joy will be full when you hear the voice of the bridegroom. You see, our job is not to take ownership of the bride. And I love what Gary Ween said, and I'll never forget it. He said, we are called to steward another man's wife. And that while we walk them down the aisle, we better not take them to the best man. Because Jesus is a jealous God. And he wants you for himself. Prayer awakens desire. It awakens hunger. It awakens that flame that my ministers are to be called flames of fire. They are to be flames of fire. It awakens fire. What it does is it puts oil in our lamps. And so we're filled with that oil of joy so that when we get into the presence of the Lord in prayer, he ignites it with his fire. And then we go out from there. I'm desperate for more of his presence. And I'm desperate for more of his presence in every place in my life. We, our job description is to take what is in heaven and bring it to the earth. That's it. End of story. Period. Job description. Take what's in heaven and bring it to the earth. But the problem is most of the body of Christ does not even know that that's their job description. They think their job description is to go to church. But if you look at America, you can see that we are getting our rear ends kicked and that sin and the devil is having, he's like, he's like dancing on our heads. But we were created to be sons and daughters who are led by the Spirit of God. And we are the ones 
that are supposed to set the stage and the tone and the tempo in this nation. I believe that God is transforming his church today to look more like a biblical church in the New Testament. How many of you want a New Testament church? How many of you want to be part of a New Testament church? Okay, let me ask you this question. What if you had no experience whatsoever with church? Like me, I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know anything about the way church worked. I was never even, I never even met anybody. I mean, I knew people that went to church and I knew believers. It's not that. But I like wasn't friends, friends, friends with them. I mean, right? They're so annoying. I just want to be in my sin. Anyway, kidding. So if you didn't have experience in the traditions of man, but you only read this book, what kind of church would you build? Jim Stern said this. He said, Ephesians 4 gives us a clear role of the pastor. That the pastor, our job is to connect you to the head, which is Christ Jesus, not be Dr. Phil and try to fix you. And don't you know that at the end of the age, there will be a fatherless generation because he said that the spirit of Elijah has to come to return the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Therefore, we know that it will be a fatherless generation, which we are already experiencing. And I can tell you that the church will crumble under the weight of the sin of the people and the fatherlessness of the people if we don't connect them to the head. My job description is to show you the way to the Father, end of story. And then I steward what he's doing in your life. That is good. So I believe that God is transforming his church to look more like a biblical church and I believe that in uh, uh, when when he said uh, that my house shall be called the house of prayer it's very interesting to me that he actually fashioned a whip the night before he fashioned a whip the night before and I believe that once again he is fashioning a whip for his church because he is going to have his bride and he's going to say all the traditions of man and building a church on a this model is not going to work for me. Come on. We are not called to preach a gospel of psychology, but we are called to preach a gospel of the kingdom that sets the captives free. He said, if you teach them to pray, you don't have to tell them how to live. I believe that God has created the church as the greatest force on the earth to call the body to pray. But the way they're structured today, they really look more like a country club. 
you got all that activity, but you've forsaken the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me for life. Because, you know, there's a living God every single morning. His mercies are new over your life, and he's ready. He's, he's just waiting. He's there. And you walk right past him. But he's saying, but I have mercies. I have mercies. You don't understand. I have mercies for you. Come, If you'll come to me, I'll show you how to live. All answers, all solutions to the issues of life are found in me. And it's not just spiritual things. He knows what's going on at your job. He knows the the situation in every relationship that you have, but he's saying you're down there trying to figure all that out and, and psychologically, and you're going around and you're talking to everybody about it, but hey, guess what? I got the answer. And so every morning, there he is. He's going, you're, my mercies are new. My mercies are new. Come to me. Get bread. I will feed you. I have, the, I have the well of life right here. Living water. Living word. The living word. He is alive. He is alive. The Holy Spirit is a person. But because as a church we've said, Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, and we've completely ignored the Holy Spirit as a person. But he's a person. He's a person. He walks in the room. You felt him during worship. You felt him. When he walks in the room, what do you feel? The temperature changes. All of a sudden, you feel free. Like everything gets pulled back. It gets pulled back, and you're like, oh, I can breathe. I can breathe. You feel safe. You feel loved. You feel cared for. I believe there is a shift happening in the church today, moving us from a prayerless, powerless culture. Jim Stern said that if we will pastor our churches from an eternal perspective and not an earthly perspective, then prayer, a prayer culture, is the only thing that makes sense. Because the reality is, You are the bride of Christ, a son of God, and these things require ministry to the Holy Spirit. It requires ministry to the Father. You're going to be doing that forever. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not the kingdom of heaven is at hand when you die. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and it is a place where you can go today and begin to tap into the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding and the perspective of heaven, and you can pull down the gold. Pull it down. Pull it down. Woo! Come on. Come on, sister. I believe that he's coming to reorder our churches so that we'll be a bright and shining city on a hill. He's not going to forget. He didn't forget his promise to us. 
Like, he's not like, oh, well, you guys have done it all wrong, so therefore, <laughs> I'm just going to check out. I'll go over to Ethiopia. You know, Africa's having all the fun. It's not true. God has not forgotten us. He is going to finish what he started in America. And so you can, I I will guarantee you, God is about to fall on churches all over America. And his plumb line and his truth are going to cause one of two things to happen. Those pastors are going to hit their knees and repent for rejecting the Holy Spirit or those churches will crumble. Because God's going to have his bride. He is going to have his bride. Amen. So I believe we're in for a real whipping. God's about to rearrange the furniture in our churches. He does want the house, the churches to be called a house of prayer. He really doesn't call, he doesn't care what it's really called. He's like, just pray. Here's what he cares about. He cares about talking to and loving his kids. That's what he cares about. Did you know that prayer is the means to relationship? It's the means to an end. It's something that we do so that we can connect in love with God. But as long as you, listen to me, as long as you think about prayer as a discipline, you will never enter into the romance, to the love, to the intimacy. Because there's something about prayer that is otherworldly, and he really does carry you away. In love. There can be no intimacy without communication. Have you ever tried to, um, there can be no intimacy without communication. Everybody, listen to me. Those of you who really have a hard time communicating with other people around you, you need to listen to this. The great communicator wants to talk to you. He died on the cross. Why? So we could go to church. No. He died on the cross so we could uh, do things for him. No. He died because his heart longed to be with his kids. He loves us. It's all about love. It's all about love. There's no way that I could have a loving relationship with John if I never talked to him, if I never communicated with him, if I never listened to him. And, and had the privilege to understand what makes him who he is. When the disciples said, teach me to pray, they were saying, your prayers bear fruit. They were saying, why did they ask him? Why didn't they go to the Pharisees and say, hey, whoa, why don't you teach us to do that? But they saw that that Jesus was walking in something. And so they attributed the power, the revelation, and the, and the brightness of his shining to his life of prayer. And so they, they said, okay, you're doing something different because the Pharisees are not bearing any fruit. They are not living this kind of overcoming life that you're living. So please tell us how you're doing what you're doing. This should be what we're asking. This really should be the very heartbeat of who we are. Because I'll tell you, 
you can't have a life of God if you don't have this as a centerpiece and if you don't have this as your DNA. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is it. I don't know about y'all, but I want to know the Father. I want to know the Father so that I can have fruit that remains. So that I can come alive on the inside. And that was my testimony. When I looked and looked and looked and looked and I couldn't find it, the Lord said, build a house of prayer. I went up to IHOP and I, IHOP International House of Prayer. And when I got there, I was listening to them talk about God. And I, I was like, they've been with the Lord. They've been with God. They have cultivated a life in love, and it's coming out of them. And everything that they were saying was hitting my heart, and it was causing me to cry because I knew that I didn't know God the way they knew God. I'd never seen anybody burn the way they burned. Who was it that said, I just light myself on fire or God lights me on fire and everybody comes to watch me burn? Who was that? John Wesley. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what you want, right? Jesus introduced a relational intimacy. Before Jesus came, God was called God without an O. It was like, Right? I'd like to be Jewish. People are like, Vanna, buy a vow. But when Jesus came, he introduced God. He said, I want to introduce you to my father. And so when he began to, to introduce his father, Don't you know that it changed the dynamic of church? Because he said, it's about relationship. It's about love. It's about love with the Father and love with yourself and love with each other. Right? When Paul wrote the epistles, do you know that he never used the word disciple? Not one time. Not one time in the epistles will you find the word disciple. Only in the book of Acts. Why? Because Paul used familial statements. Father, son, daughter, sister. Because he was speaking to them and he realized that the family of God was a family. The church was a family. The house of prayer was a family. And he was bringing it down from something that was an organization to something that was an organism. And he said that you all are living and breathing stones connected together as a family. That you fight for one another. That you love one another. So he made it very personal. And he said that father, you connect with the father, and then you connect with each other. That's a family. I don't know about you, but that kind of takes a lot of the pressure off because I can be a mom all day long. But I, 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 have, no, I have no interest in being a superstar <clears throat> anything. Really. You know? 
But here's the thing. He said this. He said, it's all about love. Love God and love ourselves and love each other. I cannot love you unless I love myself. I can't. And I can't love myself unless I love God. Because it's only when I look at God am I transformed into his image. And the words from him to me about me actually begin to transform me. So I like me enough to love you. Right. So this whole fatherless generation are, 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 are weighted down with self-hatred. They hate themselves. You cannot convince a person that has rejection and self-hatred on them to love themselves. You can't. I don't care what kind of 12-step program you take them through, which is exhausting. But if they look the eyes of fire and the one who created them, he takes them home. And the orphan finds a place to live that is in Christ. And then you can truly be free to love everybody without guarding yourself. We, I was at a wedding recently, and I love the people in this house because they are so free, it's scary. You know, there's nothing. I mean, the wedding, the bride's walking down the aisle, and you've got people going, woo, yeah, woo, all right. You know, and the people on the other side who don't know us, they're all like, where's the decorum? (laughs) Well, we're pretty free. We love Jesus. Anyway, that's really what people, that's what we're supposed to look like. People are drawn to the freedom and the love that is just running out of us like a river. It's just like, man, oh, man, what a beautiful picture of love. Are y'all still with me? All right. Come on. All right, so when Jesus died on the cross, he tore the veil. But what veil did he tear? So he came and he he tore the veil, right? Right. Now, there are two veils in the temple, right? There's two veils. There's one veil from the outer court to the inner court, and the second veil is from the inner court into the holiest of all, the holy of holies. All right, so when Jesus came, he tore a veil. Now, the veil that leads into the inner court is the court of activity. It's where all of the ministry happens, but that's not the veil that he tore, okay? What he did is he said, I'm going to tear the veil to the Father. I'm going to tear the veil to the throne room. There is a place that he said, I have to go because I'm going to prepare a place for you to go. I'm going to prepare a place. My, in my Father's house are many rooms, and in those rooms, you are going to find me. You're going to find all of the different aspects of my nature. And so that's the veil that he tore. In Hebrews six nineteen, the hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, the hope that we have as the anchor of my soul, just let that sit there and dangle right up there, okay? Both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner, Jesus, mean forerunners create a new way, has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. All right. 
Only the high priest used to be able to go into the holiest of all, and he only went once a year, and when he did go, he would have to be dipped in water and bathed, put in white linen, and then he could go into the holiest of all. But when he got in there, guess what he can't do? Can't sweat. Whew. Now, not the same rules for all those priests that are hanging out in the inner room, and they're like, oh, got to light the candle, got to keep the oil in the candlestick. Wait, we got over here to show bread. Wait, we got to, you know, so a lot of activity going on because the needs of the people are plenty. But the high priest, Jesus, was called the high priest that tore that veil. That was the veil, the veil to the Father, because it goes on in Hebrews ten nineteen, and it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest... By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So why did Jesus deliver you from your sins? Why why was the blood of Jesus necessary to set you free from a life of sin? He shed his blood for your sins. Why? Is it so you could go to heaven when you die? No, because you have to be sinless to enter in behind the veil. And that's what's available to the church today. But there, is, there are very few pastors who even know where this place is. And so you have a whole generation of people that are eating of the earth and don't know how to ascend into the heart of God and the, and the holiest of all, that there, there is a place where God speaks and we go through because of the blood of Jesus. And in that room and behind that door are all of the mysteries of the kingdom that you're called to bring down to the earth. Many of us function in prayer by asking for help. But there is that place where the will of the Father remains. You know, when he said, hey, the prayers of a righteous, the fervent and effective prayers of a righteous man avail much, right? How many of you are hope deferred because your prayers are not getting answered? Okay, whatever. You're all lying. Okay, he wants your joy to be full. He wants you to pray and then see the fulfillment of that prayer. Now, granted, it may take some time, but I'm telling you, if you will learn this, if you will learn how to pray, that time will be shortened, and you will walk in a victorious life. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people are like, those Christians, they're all poor. They've got as many problems as I do. Why would I want to do that? But if we'll do this, then we'll have victory. And we'll cause the Jews to be jealous of our lives. So everything we do here facilitates this love relationship with Jesus. And out of this love relationship comes prophecy, gifts of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, and crazy love joy for each other. Crazy love. Woo! 
So this is what we do. We do the Encounter Jesus School. It lasts, Vince, how long is the Encounter Jesus School? Like three months? Two and a half? Between two and a half, okay, between two and three months. I don't know. It's different every time, just depending on the calendar. But um, so what we do is we, you pay us to make you go into the prayer room. Uh, and I can't tell you how much we enjoy it. Because you should see the look on the interns' faces. Like, you want me to pray for how long? And so when, we, when the interns start in, in EJS and they start in the prayer room, they hate it. They manifest like crazy, and we're just over there like, that's awesome. Better out than in, I always say, said Shrek. But by the time that, that the internship is over, it's the thing they love the most. And when we, when we interview them, the exit interviews, they, we ask them, what did, you, what, do you, what did you love the most? What's the one thing that you like the most? And it's always the prayer room. The whole idea of the prayer room is kind of weird. I mean, honestly, let's just be honest, right? What? You want me to sit around in a room while somebody strums a guitar and close my eyes for hours? What's that? I could be going to the mall or go to the cowboy game. Nope, not the cowboy game. I never even, you know, I've never even watched a cowboy game. <laughs> Sorry, everybody left the church going, well, she's not safe. <laughs> the other thing we do is life groups. Now, <clears throat> this is a way that we do discipleship, okay? We teach you how to pray. So if you're having a lot of problems and you're having a lot of difficulties, let me just disciple you because if you get if you get at my coffee table, this is what I'll say. You show me your day timer and your checkbook and I'll tell you where you are in your heart towards God. Are you praying? Are you in the word? And are you sowing into his kingdom? God says where your money is, that's where your heart is. But it's also about your time, where your time is. What have you prioritized in your life? If you are living a life that is falling apart, I will guarantee you that those two things won't be in order. Sorry. Do you still like me? (laughs) Come on. It's true. Praying people live victorious lives. So there's been a dividing wall, I feel like, in the um, church. So you've got this thing going on between the church and the house of prayer. You know, it's like, well, the church, the church, the house of prayer, the house of prayer. I'm telling you, the church is supposed to be a house of prayer. I am convinced that the only way to disciple and pastor our family is through prayer being the centerpiece and the culture of this community. And establishing this place and building a house as prayer is the centerpiece was not my idea. And it wasn't our idea. It was his idea. Because he loves 
his people. He loves his children. And we cannot be the bride if we don't hear his voice. My job is to connect you and to facilitate a connection between you and God. I'm here to lead you to him so that you can do according to his will and lead a victorious life where your joy is full. I really do want to see you free. I really do. But unless you go to that place where you're home, you finally find home. And you say to yourself, you know what? You're right, God. You didn't make a mistake when you made me. I really am lovely. I really am. Paul said to pray without ceasing. So this is what a New Testament church looked like. Prayer, eating, prayer, raising the dead, prayer, healing the sick, prayer, prophesying, prayer, breaking bread, prayer, breaking Paul out of jail, prayer, baptizing people in the Holy Spirit, prayer, preaching, prayer, fasting, prayer, going to the third heaven, hallelujah, prayer, having a vision, prayer, loving on each other. Isn't that incredible? They just went from place to place. I think I'll go to the synagogue on the hour of prayer. They assign time to prayer. Then I think I'll go over here to this Gentile's house. Oops, they got the Holy Spirit. I was praying, and the Lord showed me what was coming beforehand. Uh, And then we're going to go over here because Paul got put in jail, and we're all going to pray. Bam. How would you like to pray and an earthquake happens? I mean, come on. That's what I call authority. So the importance of not only praying individually, but the importance of praying corporately. Why do I pray? Why do you pray corporately? Why do you come to the house of prayer and pray when you could be like watching Gilmore Girls? (laughs) Because two can put 10,000 to flight. Because when you have agreement, guess what happens? The enemy runs away. So Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthians, that we all with an unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, unveiled, I mean the veil is torn. Guess what you get to see? That unveiled face, the face of the Lord, the eyes that are like a flame of fire, surrounded by a sea of glass. Hello, have you ever been there? You got to go there. I've been there. We're going to show you how. It's the most glorious experience. I'm telling you, there is a place in God that is real. You just got to do this to your eyes. And you got to and you got to follow after somebody who already knows the way. So we leave breadcrumbs and we're like, "Okay, this is the way you go. This is the way you go. This is how you do it." And then you start going. Jesus said, "I am the way, the way. Follow me. I am the way, the truth and the life." But you know, you're not willing to come to me so that you can have life. And so we're just leading you. You know, David and his mighty men, why did the mighty men follow David? Cuz they wanted to slay giants. If you want to slay giants, you got to follow a giant slayer. 
You want to learn to pray and prophesy, you got you to gotta find a son. Somebody that knows the voice of the Father. Somebody that knows to, how to go and ascend in prayer and then take what you have and find and bring it down to the earth. Amen? Woo! All right, so here's the first thing you, you, that I want you to do. You have to ask the Lord, Lord, teach me to pray. I want to give you some handlebars for the prayer room, like why come? Why come when I can pray alone? Why? Can, why? Why? I don't want to get out of my house. Come on. Let's do this. Let's change a city. Let's transform a city by getting together and beginning to say, city, be transformed. Yeah, you thought it was going to be harder than that, didn't you? Okay, maybe a, a little bit more complex, but anyway. God inhabits the praises of his people. So the first reason to set 10,000 to flight, power and agreement for your life and over the city. The second reason that a prayer room works is because God inhabits the praises of his people and where they are, he will be in the midst of them. Yeah. Number three, if you're just learning how to pray, it's a great way to facilitate learning. It's kind of like cooking, you know. Have you ever learned how to cook by just reading the book like you just read the book but you never actually get in the kitchen if you want to cook up some good stuff with Jesus you need to get in the kitchen with somebody else it's like I think you added too much salt of course that would never come out of my mouth but um it could it's possible the fourth way is through encounter Jesus school we named it because you encounter Jesus All right, how many of you are ex-interns or interns? Did you encounter Jesus? Did you learn to pray? Come on. Do you love it? Is your life victorious because of it? All right. I want to introduce you to some of our worship leaders. They're going to share with you for about one minute per person. I'm holding the microphone. (laughs) You're like, whatever, Tracy. I mean, (laughs) my stomach's growling. I have to go to the bathroom. Are you done yet? Sorry, it may have been a little too much. Um, okay, so who's first? I don't know. You all can come up. I'll just come up. La, 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 la. All right, when, these, when, when they are leading worship, now we have um, everybody on our, this is our night sets, not our day sets. So um, um, when they're leading worship, you walk in here, and seriously, it's like you're walking into honey. The, the, the spirit of the Lord is so thick. And what it's going to do, you know how sometimes it takes you hours, if, you're in, if you have a prayer life, it takes you hours to encounter the Lord. You walk in while they are worshiping, and it's like immediate. Woo, I'm in heaven. Whoa. Okay. Hi. I am, okay, come on, get this. My name is Stephanie Cosby. And I lead the Saturday morning set, and it's mostly a soaking um, set. Uh, Most of the time, it just ends up being about the Father's heart. Even if I try to steer it a different way, the Lord kind of tends to make it go back to love. So um, Tara sings with me, and I also have another um, singer, um, Josh Wright, who sings with me. And, I mean, they're just awesome because it's just it's awesome to like have a team that just is able to really just click into what the Lord is saying and doing. And so 
Um, so it's very prophetic. So you're just flowing with the Holy Spirit and releasing that out over everybody that's here. Yep. And a lot of times um, we'll just kind of all be like synced together and the Lord just starts saying the same stuff to each one of us. And it's just really cool because it's there's always like some kind of theme of what the Lord wants to say and speak to people, whoever's in the room or or is it, if it's just us, I mean, there's always something that something specific that he really wants to share and and release on on whoever's here. So what time? it starts at 10 o'clock. Yeah. To around 12, sometimes after on Saturdays. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I get caught up in the glory and they'll go much later. Um, and I'll tell you, even if there's nobody in this room, what they're doing is they are releasing heaven over the city. And they're creating a portal and a well in the city so that angels can ascend and descend. Jesus said, oh, you haven't seen anything. You're going to see angels ascend and descend over me. Bam. I was going to say one more thing. Um, It's really cool, too, because a lot of times what the Lord will be speaking on the set, it'll the pastors or whatever will, uh, or even worship leaders during a service later on that week will say the same thing. And we're like, Oh yes, that was totally what the, the Lord was saying. So yeah. Really cool. So they're releasing it and we're just stepping into it. The words are already out there. Jesus fulfilled all of the prophetic words about him because the words were already in the atmosphere. They're already in the earth and Jesus just stepped into the fulfillment of it. Okay. Do you want to say anything? Yeah, I was just going to say, she actually said what I was about to say, but another thing is, We've had people come up to us on a Saturday that just sat in there, and they're like, oh, my gosh, something that God just said to me, you guys started singing. And every time God would say something to me, you guys just start singing it. So I'm just going to plug it again. Saturday, 10 to 12, just come, like, with whatever the Lord has given you and what he's speaking to you. And I almost can guarantee that you might hear him speaking more on whatever it is that you've been feeling and thinking. I'll go ahead and guarantee 100%. Hello, my name is Mallory, and Daisy and I have a set every Wednesday, 7 to 8.30. Um, I guess I can just give you like a picture of last Wednesday. Everybody was laying down. And, uh, <laughs> and Daisy, does, Daisy does that. <laughs> but but it was, it's okay. Like, just come and lay down. No, we're okay with you guys just coming and being with Jesus. I I really feel like that's what our set is, just you can come be with Jesus. And then we also have a powerhouse prayer leader that has music. A loud, crazy Latina. Woo! I'm Daisy Posadas, and I get loud. My heart is justice, and but we pray. We just, we just jump in the river of joy. What we want to see is, like, more joy burst out of this room and then burst out to the city and, like, just send out love to the city and so like that's what we want as a house as a body that we unite together that we bring each other that we love on each other but that we love on Jesus because he wants to give us love and so we just want to like dance and sing and so yeah you want to come on Wednesdays get yourself powered up and then for your week like and come the following sets yeah so this is what Jesus did. He went and spent time with the Father, spent time in prayer. Then he went and um, opened the blind eyes. And then he goes back into prayer. And then he goes and he heals the sick. And then he goes back into prayer, spends time with his dad. This is how it works. This is the New Testament church. Come on. Woo! Hi, I'm Chad Beatty. Oh, no, I get to... oh sorry. <laughs> uh, and we, I'm, 
I'm the prayer leader uh, for Monday night, 7 till 8.30. And my daughter, Olivia, and Jen are the worship leaders. And they, we go every other Monday, actually. So we switch off every other Monday uh, with this amazing team right here. But what we do is um, it's all about encounter, encountering Jesus while you're here. In other words, it's all about encountering the Lord. And I've noticed that when uh, with Olivia, it's, 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 there's this amazing intimacy that she, she'll pull you into. And with Jen... Uh, she'll break you through anything. Like she just has this voice and this power that it's like a breaker anointing. So if you need breakthrough as well as intimacy with the Lord, that's kind of how the prayer goes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Olivia and I, we just kind of like, I wish she was here, but um, we just kind of flow back and forth and um, it it just depends on what the Holy Spirit wants to do and it's just really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I've been asking the Lord to teach me, like I don't want to be like, lead worship. I just want to worship and encounter you myself. And so he's teaching me to do that. And it's just been a really fun process. Yeah. Our objective is to get you off of the earth. This is like Houston, you know, where they light that fire into that rocket ship. That's really what we want to do. We want to light that fire and have you take off, go into the realm of heaven and then bring back what's from heaven to the earth. I'm Mindy. I do every other Monday site, Monday night set with Jen and Jamie. And my heart um, for our prayer sets is really just to empower anybody who's in the room with love and with identity so that you can get filled up here and then go out. I don't want you to stay in the prayer room. I want you to get filled and then go love on the world. So that's, that's my heart. Um, and just to let him love on you. Because the more that you love on the Lord, there's an exchange that happens. And he pours it right back on you tenfold. So just come get filled. Amen. Awesome. Um, one thing I was going to add is that I think another strong theme in our thets, uh, sets has been hunger. Um, oh, he's telling us to move over. Okay. <laughs> um, God has begun to stir up a deep hunger in me personally that lay dormant for about three years, but I don't think he's just doing that in me. I think he's doing that across the body. And the reason I think he's doing that is to prepare for revival because you cannot have revival without hunger. And so um, I think that has been and will continue to be a strong theme um, in our sets is hunger, stirring up the hunger. Awesome. Beautiful. I've been to their set. Crazy. Hi, um, I'm Rebecca Wendell. I do the Tuesday night sets um, from 7 to 8, 30, 9 o'clock, depending on just the flow. Um, Christy does it with me, and we also have a t- few other um, what do you call, prayer leaders. Yeah. Um, so Michael McLean and Jasmine Guy, and both of them have incredible voices, so they sing as well. So it's really great to have all of us up there. It's it's really great. But um, the theme of our sets, I just wanted to kind of like my heart and worship and when we started um, all of this was about being transformed by them. Bring it up. Oh, <laughs> I'll hold it. Thanks. <laughs> but just being transformed by the mind of Christ. You know, like you're in worship in order to be with him. And then whenever you're worshiping him, you change. And like, and I don't know about you guys, but this world is a world of disorder, and he's the only one who can bring order. And so you have Romans 12, and it talks about being transfi- transformed and coming to him as a living and holy sacrifice. And that is the way that we're unraveled and undone before him. And that's the way that he comes in. He says, this is who you are. This is what I do with you. And this is what we're, we have to give. And so it's a place of knowing your identity whenever you come. And it's intimacy. It really is. And even in, you were saying Isaiah 55 earlier about come all who are weary, all who are thirsty, 
come and, and get what you don't have to pay for, what you don't have to labor for. In, in, in verse 3, it says, come, for it is life. Listen to me, for it is life. Because it really is life. It's about life and death. It's about him, and it's about what we're made to give to him and be for him and just to be with him. Because when we're with him, we can give everything that we were created to give. And so that's what, I mean, the worship is. It's about being undone, unraveled, and sitting at his feet and then receiving his grace and mercy and his throne room and then releasing it into the world because what he does here, it overflows. So it's like whether you're here or not, you're going to get it. But if you're here, you get the streamline whenever we're worshiping together. And it's powerful. It's so powerful to be undone by God. So. Um, I mean, she basically said everything <laughs> that our set is about. But, I mean, I just want to echo it. And I'm so honored and so blessed to be on a set with someone who has such a precious heart for the Lord. <laughs> and um, we ugly cry. <laughs> we have a great time. And just, um, it's a wonderful time to really just, like, get into the Lord's heart and feel his heartbeat and feel his breath and just really enter in and get lost in it and then realize at nine o'clock that you need to go home because you have to go to work tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Good morning, family of God. I'm uh, I'm Jeremy. Uh, You can come join me on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. and we'll go spelunking through the caves of glory in the heavenlies. Strap on your spirit headlamps because we're diving deep, people. We're going to find the diamonds, the riches and hidden places, the secrets of the heavenly kingdom every Tuesday and Wednesday at 11 a.m. Now, Jeremy's a little bit of a wordsmith, so when you're worshiping with Jeremy, he will literally take you all over the universe painted by words. It's really a beautiful thing. So aren't they beautiful? Let's give them a hand. Yeah, they are setting a table for Dallas. Yeah, we love you guys, and we honor you. All right, um, Jen, would you stand up? This is Jen. Jen is, um, Jen heads up the prayer room, so if you have any questions, or if you are a worshiper, right? Or an intercessor. I need prayer leaders, badly. So we would love for you to join us and, and get in there and, um, and rock and roll with the Lord and uh, bring heaven to the earth. Now, there's one more thing before I let you go. I know you're like, what are we leaving? But there's one more thing I wanted to tell you because I wanted to give you a, a brief, very brief testimony. Because um, a lot of you are in business, you know, and, um, and you're like, well, this is all great for the church, but how does this apply to my life? Um, John and I pray together as a husband and wife. And I think as husband and wife, it's very important that you pray together. Because again, the two of you will set 10,000 to flight. I don't know about you, but I need as many angels as I can flying around on my behalf. Um, (laughs) So John and I were praying and he had this deal come up with his business. And it involved relationships, of course. And so it was a very... Um, touchy situation, and it could go either way, and it meant a lot of money, you know, and a lot of you have these situations in business, and so we said, well, let's just ask the Lord what he thinks about this, and so we just sat quietly, 
and we just started praising him. And he said, we love you. You are the beginning and the end, and, and you know everything about everything and about everything, God. And so we just sat there, and we worshiped him and praised him. And we said, um, Father, would you tell us about this? Would you tell us about this situation? Would you tell us about this person and their heart? How can, how can John communicate in a way that he reveals your love to him and it brings this, this, this dynamic, this business dynamic down? And so the Lord, as we're sitting there worshiping him, continuing our worship, he just drops in our spirit exactly what we're to do. Exactly what we're to do. How we're to say it. The heart that we're to come in, because don't you know, he knows the person on the other side of this relationship. He knows what they have in their heart, in their mind. He knows whether they're an orphan, if they have a spirit of anger, whatever it is. And so God gave us the wisdom to be able to bring down something that has become explosive. My daily bread, my mercies are new. If you teach them to pray, you don't have to tell them how to live. So let's pray. Why don't y'all stand? Shake it off. I think that's a song. <clears throat> but we won't go there. I didn't hear that song. Shanti Ayarodaba. Well, Father, we love you. We love you, and we want to be with you. Would you teach us how to be people that understand and know how to commune with you? That God, we know the way. Would you show us the way? Show us the way into your heart. Show us the way past that Revelation 4-1 door. Give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Help us to find you, God, in prayer. Would you land on the prayer life of everyone in this church, God? Would you take us out of the earth and into heaven? Would you show us how to do this? We love you and we trust you. We thank you that you're our teacher, you're our counselor, you're our helper, and you're our comforter. That all things are found in you. All things are found in you. We just love you and bless you, and we thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. We just honor the person of the Holy Spirit this afternoon. We bless you, God, and we thank you for your wisdom and for your kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs>